Holy God, quiet our hearts. Come into our lives afresh and anew this morning and speak your word to us. Help us to understand that uh, we can do nothing apart from your power at work in our lives. Our hope to grow and to change and to make an impact on the world around us. God, none of that is anything that we can do in our own strength. And so we recognize our need for you again this morning. God, inhabit the praises of your people. Speak to us through your word and through your spirit. Inspire us anew today to go from this place to be your hands and feet in a lost and hurting world. And we will thank you through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Make yourselves comfortable. My name is Kurt. I'm uh, also one of the pastors here, and I'd like to add my welcome to you this morning. Again, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to have a chance to greet you, so don't rush off too quickly after the service is over. Hang out in the lobby, have some coffee, and uh, we'd love to just find out a little bit more about you and what brings you out to church this morning. We are wrapping up this morning our series called Renew, where we've been spending uh, four weeks uh, talking about uh, in this new year season, when obviously many people are thinking about how to renew uh, some of the proactive and positive commitments to health and to change. Uh, What a great opportunity for us to also talk about how we can be recommitting ourselves to the purposes of God in our lives, uh, to the mission that he's given us as a church and as a faith community. And we are excited to continue to uh, live into this new reality that he's invited us to. Uh, Here at Faith Covenant Church, we believe he's called us to live a real life together. And by that, we mean that we recognize that we are real people, right? We're broken, we're sinful, we make mistakes, we're not perfect, we're just real people trying to make it in the world like everyone else. But we also believe that we serve a real God. Jesus is alive, and because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. The God we serve isn't some idealistic belief system that we try and match our life to. It's a real living relationship with a God who has saved us and who loves us and who has called us his own. And because of that, he's given us a real mission to fulfill. He's given us marching orders to go out into the world that he came to save, to share the same love that he's given us with those around us, and to see more and more people come to a saving knowledge of the love of God for them in Jesus Christ. Amen? In this season, we've been exploring what it takes for us and, and, and for us as a church to, to renew these kinds of commitments and to be renewed in our spirits and to be re-inspired to continue this journey of faith with Jesus. And we've been talking about another word for transformation, and that word is, is innovation. And, and we know that innovation is kind of a big buzzword in the business world. Uh, the mantra in the business world is innovate or die right? Change or die. Don't get left in the dust. If you can't be flexible and adaptable enough to change to the circumstances around you, you get stuck in the old rut and you can, you can miss the opportunity that you have for growth and change in life around you. We talked about how innovation is, it, it takes something that's already good, but it transforms it into something that's completely new and, and takes us in a whole new direction that maybe we didn't expect or imagine. And yet the challenge we've been talking about in the recent weeks is that most people, most companies, most churches 
fail to innovate. They fail to change. They fail to experience life transformation because we often don't really understand what it takes to truly innovate. We've, we've talked about this as a, as a formula. Innovation equals imagination plus implementation plus integration. And we've talked about the first two. We're going to be talking about the last one, integration, today. But a breakdown in any one of these three elements of innovation can get us off track and derail us from experiencing the kind of transformation and change that we desire in our lives. We've said that this is a pattern that we can see throughout the Bible in the story of God's people, how they continued to fail to imagine and to dream the new future that God had for them. And because they couldn't imagine this new thing that God was wanting to do, they failed to implement the kinds of changes that he was asking them to make. And so they failed to integrate this new lifestyle into their community, and they got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> Right? They failed to go into the land to, to, to take the promised land that God had for them. And that's why I believe Jesus said when he came in Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17, we have to re recognize that no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making it the tear worse. And neither do people put, pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Because we talked about how, you know, this idea in ancient culture where you, you, you make wine and then you pour it into a, a skin made of animal skin. It could be maybe goat or, or sheep, right? And, and it's like a, a boda bag for wine, right? Uh, and you put the new wine in there, but as the wine ferments, it creates these gases and, and the wine expands. And if the, if the wine skin isn't able to fl be flexible enough to expand with the wine, it's going to break and burst. And old wine skins that are already stretched out don't have that elasticity anymore. They're not able to stretch with the new wine. So you don't put new wine in old wine skins. You always get a new skin for that. And Jesus is helping us to understand that we too, as believers who want God to pour out the new wine of his spirit in our lives, have to be pliable and flexible of heart so that we can expand and grow and change with the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. But the risk is that, that if, if we fail to be able to imagine a different possible future, or if we fail to be able to implement on those new things that God has asked us to do, and we can't integrate those changes into our lives, we run the risk of being like an old wineskin that can't contain the new thing that God wants to do. And so we simply crack and burst, and we, we lose the opportunity that God has presented us with. See, Jesus is saying we too can become stretched Thin in our own lives. We can become brittle and inflexible in our faith and in our thinking and in our attitudes and in our emotions. And we know that, that being stretched creates a tension in our lives, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about how a rubber band is effective because its ability to hold tension. It's the flexibility of the rubber band that makes it a useful tool for, for holding things together. But if a rubber band loses its flexibility, it's, it's not effective for its useful purpose anymore. A breakdown of imagination occurs when we lose the ability to imagine a different possible future. 
to dream new dreams, to, to think that something could be different than what we've experienced before, whether we're limited by the, the painfulness of our own past experiences or we're fearful of the future because we can't control it and we don't know what to expect. When we lose the ability to dream new dreams and to imagine a different possible future, we become inflexible and unable to even imagine that we could experience something different and new in our lives. Last week, Greg shared with us how a breakdown in our ability to follow through on implementing those changes in our lives that we know God is leading us to or we know that we need to do in order to experience the kind of lives that God is inviting us to. Uh, when, when we fail to implement, we miss the opportunity to get some momentum in our lives, to feel like we're moving somewhere and we're seeing God make lasting changes in us. Without taking some risk and stepping into the unknown in God's future and, and at least trying it out without fear of failure or mistakes, but, but knowing that God has invited us simply to say yes and to trust in him, a failure to implement leads to reduction in the momentum of God's energy and his spirit in our lives and in our church, and we run the risk of failing to innovate. Finally today, we also must recognize that an inability to fully integrate into our lives the changes that God desires for us ultimately results in short-lived success and a return to the way things have always been. That's why I think God shared his word to us in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, where he said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Men and women, integration in our lives happens when the new behavior becomes the normal behavior. Integration happens in our lives when the new behavior becomes the normal behavior. Now, at this time of year, as I've said, many of us are thinking about renewing our commitments to positive and proactive changes. For you, it could be a renewal of your commitments to pursue physical health and uh, you know, fitness in your life. Uh, it could be a renewal in your marriage or in your family to try and work on your relationships and pursue health and wholeness at home. Or perhaps you might be seeking a sense of renewal in, in your sense of calling and vocation and in your work life and what God has gifted and called you to do with, with your hands. Hands. Perhaps, as Greg shared last week, we need a renewal to our commitment to simply drive the speed limit. I was challenged by that last week myself. All of these things uh, hit home for me, as I shared with you at the beginning of the series. I, I, I've committed to a new eating plan in this new year because I, I desire to, to get more fit and to, to lose some weight. And, and, and now I'm four weeks into this new commitment and this new eating plan, right? I, I'm four weeks in, and, and there's good news. Thank you, thank you. Wait, wait for the good news. There's good news. In the first two weeks, I lost 10 pounds. Okay. And now the bad news. In the last two weeks, I lost one pound. <laughs> it's still good, right? It's still good. Still good. Still good. But again, I am learning firsthand again in my life how hard it is to stay consistent with changes that we want to make. 
right? Because life gets difficult. Life gets stressful. And we want to go back to what's familiar. We want to go back to what's easy. The world around us doesn't make it easy for us to want to change and to be able to change. And when we finally uh, build up the courage to take a step, everything feels like it's against us. And if that's true, just with our relationship with food, imagine how it is with things that are even deeper and harder for us to change in our lives. It's really hard to be consistent over time and we can become discouraged. And when we become discouraged and we feel like we're failing and we're messing up and we're not perfect in the change we want to make, it's really easy to just simply want to throw in the towel and just give up because I'm never going to be able to be different, right? The reality is most diets fail, right? We know this. Why do most diets fail? Uh, There's probably a lot of factors that go into it, but I've learned that there's two really big factors that, that lead to most diets being unsuccessful. The first primary reason is that most diets are not a sustainable lifestyle, right? If you think about our relationship with food, we simply eat food to survive. It's a life need that we have. And most diets are not a natural and a normal way of eating food. And so it doesn't become sustainable as a lifestyle. There are extreme changes to our eating with fairly short-term goals. We're looking at weeks or months to get down to our target goal weight, right? Rather than looking at years and and how we're going to eat for the rest of our lives in a way that's going to allow us to sustain healthy patterns and rhythms and relationships with food. So even if we're successful in shedding some pounds, the weight typically comes back when we can no longer follow an extremely unnatural way of eating in our lives. Second reason why most diets fail is that most diets are driven by a negative motivation. Think about it. Most diets are driven by a negative motivation. See, we often seek to make changes in our lives because we're unhappy and we're dissatisfied. And we look in the mirror and we say, Ugh, I need to lose weight. We don't, we, we don't feel beautiful. We, we don't feel like people understand that, that we have value. And, and in a culture that worships beauty and youth and, and stick thinness, we feel like we're less than and we're not good enough. And so we have to go on a diet to somehow find happiness and wholeness. And so we start these changes from a negative motivation. But do you understand that a lifestyle change that will give you health for a lifetime can never be sustained by a negative self-image. Eventually, our negative thoughts and feelings about ourselves and about our lives actually work against our ability to make lasting change. It's probably one of the reasons why we have unhealthy relationships with food to begin with. So we're going to double down, and we're going to feel even more like a failure. You see, I, I'm talking a lot about eating because it's a, it's a natural and normal relationship with food that we all have, but there are lessons here for our broader lives and for our spiritual lives as well. You understand that the Bible talks a lot about understanding our relationship with food as an illustration for our spiritual lives with God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In our desire to change, in our desire even to do church, we often pursue lifestyles that are unrealistic and unsustainable. 
We pursue change in our lives because we are not happy with where we're at, and we think somehow if we make a change, we're going to feel better. And, and because of our dissatisfaction with who we are, we get into these vicious cycles of always wanting to, to see something different but never being happy where we are. And so we short-circuit the work that God may want to do in us to, to allow us to see healthy, lasting changes to our lives and to our communities, and we get stuck in the old patterns because that's the way we've always done it. Now, if you've been with us for the four weeks, you know we began with this truth from Scripture that as Christians, we know that God has given us the promise in Christ that we are already made new. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. What does this passage mean for us in the context of what, what we're talking about this morning? Can I suggest to you that it means that in Christ, the motivation to seek change in your life and in mine is love? See, this new reality that we no longer need to, to seek to change ourselves from a negative self-image in order to be found worthwhile or to feel uh, like, like we are acceptable to God and to others has been removed by the cross of Christ. We no longer need to be driven by our sinful and broken nature that continually leads us down pathways of self-defeating behaviors in our hope to somehow find happiness and wholeness. See, the new starting point for every change that we want to make in our new life together is the good news message that God loves you just the way you are right now. We can say it and believe it in our heads, but we've got to feed on that truth in our hearts. Because you are loved, there is nothing you can add to your life. There is nothing you can subtract from your life that is going to make God love you anymore. There is nothing you can do in your life, and there is nothing that you can fail to do in your life that is going to make God love you any less. When we truly realize, not just understand, but make real, bring into reality in our lives, when we truly realize the truth of this good news message of Christ in our lives, we become free to pursue life and change and growth, not from a negative motivation that somehow we have to make ourselves better in order to be happy, but because the new has already come. And therefore, we are free to live into it, to open ourselves to new things without fear and without risk because we trust that the God who created us, the God who knows us better than we know ourselves, has already paid the price and paved the way for us to experience his life in us. Because we are already loved and valued by God, we discover the freedom to become positively proactive in our lives and in our relationships and in our ability, yes, to change the world around us. Because we are loved by God, we discover that we can better love ourselves. 
and we can learn how to better love those around us. And, and that, my friends, is a positive motivation that leads to genuine transformation, genuine change, experiencing true innovation in our lives from the inside out. Here at Faith Covenant Church, we believe that God has not only loved us and forgiven us in Christ, but that he has called us to now follow Jesus as his disciples and to pursue this mission and this vision that, as I've said, we're calling real life together. Now, just to quickly review again, for those of you who, who may not have uh, been exposed to this yet, or as a reminder for the rest of us, a real life together consists of connecting, growing, and serving. And, and, and what we mean by this is, is we recognize that according to the Bible, we cannot separate our vertical relationship with God from our horizontal relationships with the world around us, right? The two go hand in hand. And if we say we have a relationship with God, then that will naturally be lived out in our relationships with those around us. And therefore, if we're going to pursue a real life together, we need to learn how to be more effective as a faith community in connecting with God and connecting with one another. As new people come to our church, as we have every week, people visiting and coming to check out, maybe this is a place where they could call home. This could be a church for them. Are we able to connect them in relationships so that they feel like they're connecting with God as they're connecting with us? See how that works? That's a part of our call as Christians is to be good at connecting connecting new people into our lives and into our relationships. And if we're not good at creating space in our lives for new people, then, then we're not really implementing the vision that God has given us to fulfill. We also understand that in order for us to grow in Christ, to become more like him, we have to be living that out in real tangible ways in our relationships with those around us. I can't become a Christian in, if I'm not in relationship with other Christians. We understand, right, that Christianity is a team sport where everyone plays. <laughs> it's never intended to be me and God alone, and I can go off in the woods and I can worship God and never be in Christian community because, as Greg shared last week, the things that we do that we don't tell anybody about, we do in hiding, and we can say, oh, well, I didn't do that, but nobody knows. Right? We need the, the healthy accountability of trusted friends who are on journey with us, not to shame us or to beat us up, but to encourage us and to pick us up and to carry us on the road when we can't carry ourselves. And when we have that kind of experience of, of Christ in relationship, then we discover that we are empowered by the Spirit of God in us to serve others in the name of Christ. And we can step out in new ways to experience the very reason why God gifted us and called us to follow Jesus is because he wants us to be a part of his mission of love to the world. It's not a new idea, a new trend, or a new church growth gimmick. It's an invitation to experience a fundamental change in the way we live life together based on what God has revealed in his word. To renew our life together according to what God has revealed in his word means that we, we need to be willing to quiet our hearts and let the spirit speak. And when the spirit speaks, we need to be willing to dream new dreams and to implement new behaviors and to follow through until the new behavior becomes the normal behavior. And then we will experience true lasting change. 
Now, if you've been with us for uh, more than six months, you know that this last summer uh, we, we talked about how do we keep in step with the Spirit. And, and Tammy and Lucas and I had three months of uh, sabbatical renewal, and we came back, we talked about how we felt like God was leading us to, to, to have these three key lessons or these three big rocks to focus our attention on how to keep in step with the Spirit and grow spiritually. And those were, number one, travel light. Right? We had the opportunity to travel around the world with just a suitcase and a backpack. And, and for six weeks, living out of a suitcase and a backpack, you learn there's a lot of stuff you don't really need to, to survive in life and to be okay. And actually not having all that stuff around us and, and the house maintenance and, and all the, the bills to pay and all the things that we had to do, you know what we, we were able to do? We were able to focus a lot more on our time and our relationships together. And, and life was so much better when we could actually spend time doing that second part of, of pursuing relationships with each other. And we discovered this thing called Airbnb experiences, right? And we shared this this last fall where we got to meet local people. And if you want to be more than a tourist in life, they say you got to get out and meet local people. It's all about relationship with others and hearing each other's stories. And so often I think our experience of Christianity is we come to church on Sunday morning and we get on the Christian tour bus and we take a tour around heaven and then we go back to our, our, our six-day-a-week lives and we, we never pursue shared experiences with other people that we understand is a part of what it means to be church, right? Church isn't just a building you go to on Sunday morning. It's a community of people that you do life with. And in the midst of that, we have to understand the critical necessity of getting good at helping one another do soul care well. Right? Pursuing healthy rhythms of life and ministry in our own lives starts with recognizing the best gift that we can give away to God and to others is the gift of our best selves. And if we're not able to care for ourselves and steward the gift that, that God has given us in the gift that is me, how, how can we hope to give anything else away to somebody else that has value and worth? Right? We, we can, we can uh, sacrifice our whole lives for others, but, but if we live a burned out, stressed out, uh, you know, a worry-filled life, how are, how are we able to be a blessing to those around us? And we begin to understand, understand that in order to experience real life together as a vision for what it means to be a Christian community, we have to allow Christ to continue to transform us through a new imagination, through implementing the changes that he invites us to make, and to stick with it until the new behavior becomes the new normal. Integration is the final piece in true innovation because that is the evidence that the change has actually happened. Right? Most diets fail because they're not natural and normal ways of eating for a lifetime. They're either too extreme to maintain or they're undertaken because of a negative motivation. And most attempts to change culture, to change churches, to change organizations, to change marriages, to change families, to change our own lives fail because they're either unhealthy, unrealistic, or unsustainable patterns of life that we think we need to pursue. But all the while, Jesus says, no, I love you just the way you are. And all you need to do is follow my lead. What might it look like 
for every person here at Faith Covenant Church to be connecting with God and connecting with others more effectively? What might God inspire us to dream if we, if we imagine a different possible future of people connecting with God and with, uh, with one another in new and powerful ways? What might it look like for everyone here at Faith Covenant Church to be growing in their relationship with Christ, to be growing spiritually and personally, and to find that, that the best way to do that is in relationships with others who are growing on the journey with them? How, how could we begin to dream a new dream that every person who called this their church home found a vital and growing relationship with Jesus because of their participation in community here? What might that look like? What would it look like if every person sitting in the room today and every person who attends the church on a regular basis had, a, had a, a clear sense of God's calling in their life of how to use their life and their gifts to serve someone else in Jesus' name, and they found their deepest passion and their deepest meaning in life because they realized that they were created by God and gifted by God for a purpose? And that they weren't designed to go through life simply as a consumer of things, but they became a giver of gifts. Can you imagine what this place would be like if every person here had that deep personal sense of calling and purpose in God? I can begin to picture a pretty exciting place to be, can't you? Can I suggest that this is the new future that God is inviting us to imagine together? That, that these are the things that will lead to new actions and new behaviors if we get clarity on how to let go of some of the things that might be great, but to get really good at the things that are best. To really pursue relationship together and to grow in Christ in community so that we can learn how to serve one another with the gifts that we have been given. This is the lifestyle I believe God is calling us to pursue together as we integrate God's kingdom priorities into our midst and into all of our relationships with one another. Now, we've been hearing examples through this series, and we've been talking about the ways that change is happening, right? Because it's not if change happens. It's when change happens. Change is always happening, whether we're willing to, to admit it or not, or we're able to be adaptable and flex with the change or not. Change is always happening. We've been talking about how uh, you can see changes in our physical space. We've been cutting down our platform. We eliminated the back wall. We're making more room because we can't hardly fit everybody in the room every Sunday, right? We're asking people to park further out to make room for new guests and, and people who don't have as much physical ability to walk very far so that we have ample parking. We're talking about actually taking the step of creating a, a coffee-style video venue over in Snelling Hall so that as we continue to grow, we can have overflow that goes over there and we can continue to be a church that worships at one time on Sunday morning because that seems like where God is calling us to continue to lean into in this season. We've heard about our grief share ministry and how people who have struggled with deep loss are finding hope and comfort with other people who have been on that journey and you've been invited to, to come and hear more about that ministry and to see if that's something that maybe God would invite you to use as, as a gift that you have to give away to somebody else, to take the, the renewal of your own pain and to bless someone else who desperately needs to know that it's going to be okay and you're going to get through this. Greg shared last week how we're 
updating our leadership structures. We're trying to take a team approach to ministry so that we're activating the gifts and the abilities of everyone. And we're trying to do this work together. And if you know that over the last five and a half years that I've been here, as we start to ask, how do we be a mission outpost on the mission field of the Northwest Territories in the 21st century, living out of our DNA as a mission outpost, as as the first church that was planted in the Puyallup River Valley before Washington was even a state. We're recognizing that we're living in a changing community, in a changing world, and if we're not able to be flexible and adaptable and open to the new things that God might want to do in our midst, we might miss the opportunity to be that light in the darkness. As we were exploring that, we did some demographic studies, and we recognized that in the next 20 years, Sumner and this area of the Puyallup River Valley is going to look very different than it does today. You realize that, right? Drive 10 minutes north or 20 minutes north, and you're going to see what we're going to look like in about 10 to 20 years, right? The diversity is growing. The city is expanding. The culture is changing around us. And we already know that one of the largest growing populations in our midst that we don't really have a lot of connection to and know how to reach out to is our Latino brothers and sisters, right? We have an expanding Latino community that that is often in our news and and we hear is is part of our national debate and we're not involved in the conversation at all because we're not involved with local people who are living it until today. Last spring, we were approached by Pastor Isao Del Arca from one of our sister churches who is meeting up at Kent Covenant Church and their church is Esperanza Viva. They're a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking church, but they're a multicultural church because they have people from all over Latin America who all speak the same language, but they themselves come from different cultures. And they've been worshiping in Kent for five years, and they have a lot of people who live right here in the Sumner community. And they said, you know, we've just felt like we need to plant a campus down there in Sumner to somehow be able to reach that part of our community where we have people living. We said, well, that's interesting because we struggle to know how do we connect with Latino people in our community? And and they said, well, well, maybe if we could meet at your church, we could learn how to maybe partner in ministry and reach a broader spectrum of our culture. So we said, well, let's talk about that. So all fall, we began to talk about how would we implement on this new idea, this new dream that God might be giving us. And they said, well, we'd love to worship on Sunday evening because we already worship at three o'clock and our people don't really like to get up early on Sunday and we'd be happy to worship at night and we're like well that's easy because there's usually nobody in here on Sunday nights so in December they started experimenting and they started worshiping in here in December and and we said you know what we could probably gift you some office space that upper room at the end of that hallway that we hardly ever use could probably be a great multi-use space you could have some office space you could have team meetings up there and so now our sister church Esperanza Viva has been holding worship services here on our campus for just about two months and they're ready to go public that they are now a church in Sumner for Hispanic-speaking people. So all that in and of itself is very exciting, and we, we, we celebrate what God has done to open the door for that to be a possibility. But men and women, I want to challenge you to understand that this is just the beginning of the potential change that it will require for us 
to be in relationship with his sister church. Because we've been very clear as leaders and as staff, as we've talked with them, is we don't want to treat them as renters here who are simply using our facility. These are the church of God, brothers and sisters who we are called to do ministry with. And so this last Thursday night, the leadership team and some of our staff had dinner together and through translators talked about our heart and our mission as churches to want to make an impact in our community and to be people who disciple one another well. And so we are now on the journey to explore what is it going to look like and how is it going to change us and how are we going to impact them as we learn to do life together in a new way. Esperanza Viva is a is a hopeful, exciting, vibrant community of about 120 people and kids who have a heart to be a mission outpost on the mission field of Northwest Territories in the 21st century. As we wrap up this morning, I know that I'm going a little longer, but I I hope you feel like it's worth it. As we experience this new life together with Esperanza Viva, can I suggest that God is inviting us to expand our imaginations once again, to see that here and now, at Faith Covenant Church, God is bringing his vision of heaven into sharper focus. In the words of Revelation 7, 9, and 10, John said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a large voice, a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If that doesn't spark your imagination for what church could look like for us, you're not breathing. (laughs) Men and women, God is inviting us to move towards integrating a whole new experience of church in our lives, but it starts by imagining a different possible future and being willing to implement the changes that we need to make to be prepared for the new future God has so that the new behavior ultimately becomes the new normal. God has given us a vision and a dream of the future and a mission to pursue together, and we cannot wait to take action on this vision because the church is growing now. People are coming now, and if we are not acting, if we're not creating space, if we're not upping our hospitality game and welcoming people into fellowship and discipling people well, we may miss the opportunity that God has for us to fulfill the the purpose for why he's called us to be his people in this time and this place. Now, we are going to talk more in the days and weeks ahead about all the ideas we have, and there are a lot of them, of how we can move forward and we can implement these things. But, but I want this to, to just spark your interest and your imagination and ask, don't wait for us to come to you. This is your church. 
This is your relationship with Jesus. This is your calling to follow him and say, yes, come to us and ask, how can I help? What can I do? Where can I plug in? Because I guarantee you there is more work to do than any of us can handle on our own. Now, we will do our best to continue to share opportunities and to to talk about the ways that you can participate, but it has to be a both and, right? It's leadership and congregation working together. So as we close today, how is God growing and stretching you right now in your own life? What are the points of tension that you feel within you? Maybe even this morning as I've been preaching, maybe there's these points of tension where God might be wanting to stretch you and grow you and you feel the tension because, because you know that it's the Holy Spirit prompting you to pay attention to that area of your life. Or what are the points of tension you feel as a part of Faith Covenant Church right now? Growth is hard. Change is difficult. It creates tension. But it's in the tension that we learn to become effective. What are the points of tension that you're feeling as a part of church today? And what might God be leading you to do as a result of that tension? Don't just sit with it or bury it or talk to your friend about it. Bring it to the church. Bring it into your relationship with Jesus. Allow it to be a motivator to experience the new thing that God might be wanting to do. Men and women, God's invitation is to seek first his word and his kingdom in our midst. And in the process, we will discover that he is the one who can transform our lives and our church from the inside out. I want to leave you with Paul's words from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let it be for you and for me. Amen. Holy God, we do ask that you would transform our hearts and our minds from the inside out. Renew our imaginations. Give us the courage to take action and implement on the changes that you invite us to make in our own lives and in our church. And God, give us the strength and the endurance to make it last, to to allow the new behavior to become the new normal so that we can experience a true spiritual innovation in our own lives and in our church for the sake of your kingdom and your mission to a lost and a hurting world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.